This is Barry Zalma speaking for Claim School Incorporated with another true crime of insurance fraud video. Number 42, Shoes on Melrose. It was a successful, trendy shoe store on Melrose Avenue in West Hollywood, California stocked with electric yellow combat boots and pink platform shoes. His was the most popular shoe store on the avenue. The beautiful people provided a good income for Albert Benveniti, the owner. Albert was an honest man. He treated his customers fairly. He never questioned them when they brought shoes back. Manufacturers admired him because he paid for his merchandise within 10 days of invoice. Like all small businessmen, Albert was certain he was overtaxed. Half his income went to state and federal taxes. No matter how hard he worked, it seemed he made less money every year. Albert fought back in the only way he could. He didn't record every cash sale. The shoes sold for cash simply stayed on his inventory sheet as unsold merchandise. By putting the cash sales in his pocket, his profit margin on the books went down, but the real money he took home increased. By fighting the government, he reduced his tax burden from 50 to 30 percent of the true net income. Benveniti led a good life. His business was successful. He earned a living sufficient to buy a nice three-bedroom ranch house in Encino. In May, Albert was awakened from a sound sleep by his alarm company, reporting a break-in at his Melrose store. He threw on his clothes, ran to his Land Rover, and sped down the freeway. He arrived to find the police, a broken plate glass window, and shoes strewn on the street. A bus bench had been thrown through the window. The alarm bell was ringing. The shoes he had left on display when he closed the previous evening were gone. Shelves that held hundreds of shoes were empty. Albert was the victim of a burglary. After the police left, Benveniti stayed. He guarded the store until the sun rose and he could get the glass company to come and board up his windows. At 9 a.m. he called his insurance company to report the burglary. An adjuster arrived to help him before noon. The adjuster took a recorded statement from Albert and assured him that his coverage was in order. He asked Albert for his last inventory. Albert gave the adjuster the tax return for the previous year where Albert had reported to the IRS his year-end inventory. He told the adjuster he had never taken a physical inventory where he counted every shoe in the store. The adjuster explained he had called an inventory company to count every pair of shoes in the store. They would then, from his old inventory and new inventory, adding in all purchases and deducting all sales, be able to calculate an accurate amount of the loss. 
This is the first insurance claim I have ever made, Albert said. Well, it is a straightforward claim. I should think it will take us not very long to resolve it. I used to think that buying insurance was a waste of money, Albert replied. Now I know why I pay the money. The inventory team arrived at 3 p.m. and started counting. By 10 a.m. the next morning, they had counted every shoe in the store that was obviously not taken by the burglars. They gave a copy of the list to Albert to price each shoe at cost. The inventory sheets with Albert's prices on them were then delivered to the adjuster. The numbers were large, the volume of shoes in inventory high, and the adjuster overworked. The adjuster sent the records to a forensic accountant to help him calculate the loss. Two weeks later, Jefferson Davis, CPA, telephoned the adjuster. I'm confused, he said. Why, the adjuster replied, if you provided me with the records of the store, the post-loss inventory, and Mr. Benvenite gave me all his sales and purchase records, he had more shoes in the store after the burglary than he did before the burglary. That's impossible. I, I saw the broken glass and empty shelves. I'm sure there was a burglary, the accountant said. There is either something wrong with the records, or Benveniti's shoes had a most unusual burglary, where the burglars brought merchandise into the store rather than take merchandise out. You're playing with me, aren't you? The adjuster asked. No, I'm deadly serious, the accountant replied. How could this happen? There are methods, but none of them favorable to your insured. Like what? The pre-loss inventory records could be wrong. The sales records could be wrong. The purchase records could be wrong. Or there was never a burglar. Why? I don't know. I'm an accountant, not a seer. The adjuster could not leave the questions raised by the CPA unanswered. He decided to hire counsel to take an examination under oath so Benveniti could explain the situation. He had little doubt that Benveniti was an honest businessman who had suffered a loss. The report from the forensic accountant, however, required answers. The lawyer, hired to find some way to establish a payable loss, told Benveniti the reasons for the examination under oath was that the calculations of the accountant showed a greater inventory after the burglary than before the burglary. He informed Albert that never in my experience or that of your insurer has a burglar ever brought merchandise to the victim of a crime rather than the other way around. At his examination under oath, Albert, still an honest man, told the truth to the lawyer. He had not accurately reported his inventory to the Internal Revenue Service. He explained how, by not recording cash sales, he had increased his net income and avoided confiscatory taxes. I'm an honest man and a loyal citizen of the United States, Benveniti said. 
but I could not stay in business if I kept accurate records and paid the taxes the government demands. My family is more important to me than the government. So which sworn statement do you wish your insurer to believe, Mr. Benveniti, the lawyer asked? The one to the IRS or the one you are making to me about the amount of your claim? I want you to pay what your client owes me, not what the records show I am owed. The lawyer advised his client that in his opinion, Benvenite incurred a real loss because of the records that Albert admitted were unreliable. The insurer should effect a compromise settlement with its insurer. It could not, once Albert admitted to an illegal act, rely on the incompetent and unreliable tax records. Since there were no accurate records, the insurer must make an educated guess and settle with the insurer. It was also under an obligation by law to report its findings to the IRS. Although Benvedidi knew that he lost from his first-hand knowledge of the business more than $30,000 in shoes, he agreed to a $5,000 settlement and promised to cancel his policy and never insure with that insurer again. The insurer, on the advice of its counsel, fulfilled its duty as a citizen and reported the fraud to the IRS. Benvenite was audited the next year and paid with penalties and interest added the taxes he should have paid. He learned an important lesson. It does not pay to lie to the IRS, and that it is important to keep accurate business records in case you suffer an actual loss that might be covered by insurance. Benvenite was pleasantly surprised that he was not prosecuted by the U.S. government or the state government for the presentation of a fraudulent claim and for the presentation of false tax returns. This video was adapted from my book, Insurance Fraud Cost Everyone, which is available as a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com and is supportive of my book, Insurance Fraud 2nd Edition, which is available to assist insurance claims people and insurance claims lawyers in understanding how to defer and often defeat insurance fraud. That is also available in two volumes, as a paperback, a Kindle book, and a hardcover. Thank you for your attention.